get rid of the mid-year cut. The mid-year cut is complete bullshit. Like, we've tried this before. It's ridiculous. If somebody qualifies, give them the chance to surf the tour. We would have lost Jack Robinson last year with the mid-year cut. We're going to lose good people this year that should be on. It's not fair. I'm over it. Okay, and welcome back to the Stab Cusp. This is your host, Michael Saramella, joined not by my co-host, Stace Galbraith. Um, Stace is busy battling the floods over in Australia. Hope you're well, Stace. Uh, but instead, this week, we have Jimmy Wilson, otherwise known as Jimmy Kane. He is a revered Floridian photographer, uh, moved out west to work at Surfing Magazine, and when that disbanded, basically started doing his own freelance thing. I think he works for a few different brands, including Vans, one of the most opinionated voices in professional competitive surfing, especially. Jimmy, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me as a substitute. Happy to come in here for Stace. I always listen to it, so. Which is great because we are about to go into the third event of the championship tour this season, being Portugal, the Mayo Pro at Super Tubos which is always an interesting event, but it usually comes at the end of the season where there's a lot of world title scenarios. This year we don't have that as much, but we do have a mid-year cut that is looming, and the way that the standings are looking right now, there are a lot of people who have been on tour for a long time who are probably not feeling so great about it. Um, so Jimmy, have you been to the Portugal event before? I've actually never been to that event. Uh, back in the day when I used to go to these things, um... I don't know, it just didn't fall in a good window for me, so I was I wasn't there, but I think we'd usually send like Corey Wilson there to shoot it. But you know, I still watched it. I I have been there one time, just not for the event. I did look at the forecast. I'm not gonna pretend to know what it means exactly, but I kinda cross referenced by looking at the actual wave cam today at Super Tubos and it looks insanely fun. It's like the, the forecast calls for ten foot at sixteen seconds northwest swell. The winds are light offshore, and it basically just looks like overhead spitting tubes right on the beach. The first day, or sorry, the second day of the competition window, being March 4th, is going to be 17 feet at 16 seconds northwest with really hard north winds, which I believe are like kind of that cross offshore thing that like it, it works. It's probably not ideal, but it, it works at Super Tubo, so it should be pretty big, at least for the start of the event. Yeah, it's looking like, I mean... East northeast is perfect offshore there, but north that has that um, peninsula that sticks out and kind of blocks the wind a bit, blocks the chops at least, and so the north is still good. But yeah, it looks like there's plenty of swell this whole year, and um, in Europe's been like nonstop with swell, so it's still going, and it'll be interesting to see how how this event goes. Um, in the different time slot, I think it's it's actually more consistent and better this time of year than when they run it in the fall. So that's a bonus for us. Yeah, and also there's a piece by Paul Evans that's basically a preview for the event that'll be dropping soon on Stab Premium. Um, Paul lives over in Europe, so he knows the area pretty well. And he was saying that not only do you get kind of more consistent swells this time of year, but I think that the um, Super Tubos bank really needs a bit of swell to even itself out. So that early season thing doesn't work super well because there's still some holes there. There's a lot of backwash. But right now it just looks like beaten down in the, in a good way. Like it really has figured itself out. So I think that's a big benefit as well. Yeah, I think I think this event's going to have a good way. I was looking at the forecast, but... You know how they have, it takes so many days to run. They're going to go through some 
various conditions where it's not going to be ideal, especially because they have the women's this year. So there's a lot to pack in, and, um, you know, that's going to play into the picks because it's pretty random here with being a beach break and so many different conditions and faces. Yeah, and there's also the tides that you have to contend with. Like, they're going from having basically one or two-foot tide swings in Hawaii to 15-foot tide swings to even more depending on where the moon's at. So, yeah, like you said, a ton of variables. Um, Obviously, the wind is less. There's not really, like, a trade wind in Portugal, so it could be going any direction any day. And you'll probably have to be, in, in this event, you typically have to be a pretty dynamic surfer to win, meaning that you can do it in the barrel do it on the face and especially do it in the air. Yeah, definitely tubes and airs, but I mean, I'm sure you looked at some of the previous results. It's kind of crazy how a few people are consistent here. Yeah. Who do you think are those people? Well, I mean, recently Italo's won the past two. So that makes a lot of sense, but um, two that you'd be maybe not unusual, but, Kanoa's done really well here, um, and so has Jordy. They, they're they always in, like, the the quarters or semis, it seems like. Yeah, Jordy's made three finals out here, never won. Kanoa has made the quarters at least in the past three years that they ran it. I think he made semis twice and quarters once. So, yeah, those guys have been really, really solid out here. Neither of them has a win yet, but, um, yeah, well, I'm going to get to that later, but one of those is actually going to be my pick for this event. But before we get into to all that, I want to talk about a certain situation that's um, kind of the most interesting, I guess, going into this event, at least for me, which is the fact that Moana Jones-Wong is not getting a wild card into this event. So Caroline Marks, the defending champ at Portugal, is still out. She's taking a personal leave, and the WSL has decided to replace her with Bronte McCauley, who is, of course, kind of the first surfer off the cutoff from last year rather than Moana, who obviously won at Pipeline and is now sitting at number three in the world. The event wildcard is going to Tia Blanco, who the WSL doesn't really have much of a choice there, you know, because the whole Ultimate Surfer thing. I guess they could maybe decide if they wanted to put her into a different event. But anyway, they took Bronte over Moana, which I think is the the big call. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I think Moana should be in based off what she's done. Um and where she's at, but I have no clue how the WSL picks their wild cards. It's it's completely random. Um, they just kind of just decide whatever they want to do at any given moment. So Well, that's actually an interesting one because they do have certain rules in place that I think like not a lot of people are aware of. Um, so for instance, like with the replacement wild card, right? Bronte's going to get that, but that's because that's basically written into their rule book. Because of where she landed on last year's standings in the CT, she is the replacement surfer up until that fifth event of the year, or whatever it is. And that means that it's not even their decision. Like, it's her right to take the spot or not. We actually got this info. We, we had a conversation recently with the WSL's SVP of Tours and Competition, or as I've abbreviated it, the WSL SVPOTAC, Jesse Miley Dyer, who explained this a little bit further to us, because we were curious as well. We didn't know if they'd chosen Bronte over uh, Moana, but it turns out that no, that they don't even have a say in the matter. 
And in fact, Bronte could have had the spot that Bethany took at Pipeline, but she opted out. So ultimately, like regardless of what the WSL wants, they don't even have any say. Um, however, if another surfer was to get injured, that's when they said that they would probably look at Moana as a good person to fill that next spot. But as long as um, you know, 16 of the top 17 are in play, uh, looks like Moana's not really going to have a good chance. Um, Moana should be in. I mean, she's a lot of people compare this place to like a beach break pipeline. And if she was in it, she'd have to be one of the favorites. Don't you think? If it's good. Yeah, for sure. If it's barreling and good, she's definitely a favorite. If it's not, then, you know, not quite, but, but I do think it's like, I don't know. You've seen some people make the argument that if it was a, a man at number three in the world, that they would let him in. And there actually might be some like, just mathematical truth to that in the sense that the WSL gets two event wild cards for the men and they only get one for the women. So they would be, I think, probably more inclined to give that to the men. But yeah, I, I just, I think it's pretty hard to justify in one sense not giving Moana wild cards because looking at the math, in order to get to the point total that would get her into the top 10 on last year's tour, she literally just has to surf in two of the next three events and make one heat which means not getting last place in one of those two events, and she'd be above the cut line from last year after five events. Um, so they're basically, by not giving her this wild card, they're basically saying that we don't want you on the back half of the tour, unless they give her the two slots in Australia, in which case all of this is kind of moot. But yeah, and then I also, I've, I've heard the other argument made where should we really give her a walkthrough when all she did was, you know, perform well at one event, which is her kind of marquee wave, and maybe she wouldn't have that same level of ability across an entire tour? Like, that's a specialty wave for her. Yeah, I get. I mean, I get it. It's like they want people who are deserving to be on the tour. Um, and she probably doesn't. She surfs well, but she probably doesn't compare to the world's best females when it comes to, like, performance surfing on the face or... But I mean, look at the tour, you know, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of waves she would excel at. She could potentially stay on by doing well if she does well at those events. So, I mean, we have Baron on tour. We we had Mikey Wright do it in the past, although some of the scoring I feel like was questionable there. But, um, you know, Baron, Baron's, he's locked in already, right? Yeah. If you base it off last year, he's locked in. And the other interesting thing is that, you know, with Bronte, you could easily make the argument that Moana outsurfed her at sunset by a mile. Like I had Bronte picked as kind of like a dark horse for me at sunset because I'd surfed with her out there before and she was like really aggressive and she just looked so tentative in this event. It looked like she like didn't even really want to be there. It was really weird to me because she's such a good surfer and such a confident surfer. Yeah. I mean, that that's another girl who I think could do really well at Portugal and she's, she's warranted to be in. It's a tough choice. I mean, and Tia too. But did you see her first wave she caught out there? She posted it? Yeah, she got a proper barrel. Yeah, Surfline Rewind, she got really drained. and I mean, the ultimate surfer, she's she's in there. <laughs> yeah. So, I'll be excited to watch her. I, I like Tia. Yeah, that's kind of, I guess, the main controversy surrounding this event. We also, if you somehow missed it, Gabby is still not coming back yet. We thought he might have been, but then... It was revealed that he's not. Um, instead, he's been at home surfing on a wide variety of surf craft, from a sup to a longboard to a little lost round nose fish. Did you catch that on Instagram? 
<laughs> yeah, I did. I was uh I thought that was funny seeing him ride a longboard. I think it's it is funny seeing shortboarders ride a longboard after going to all the duct tape events and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. completely different different sport, right? <laughs> yeah. I loved it though. Like to me, that's just an indication of him kind of finding his happy place again, I guess, which I hope results in him coming back to competition. I hope that he doesn't get too happy and complacent but it makes me feel good that he's at least not hopefully doing too bad in the mental sense of things yeah i think there's no chance no chance he's not coming back um when i don't have no idea but we'll see him he's too competitive not to right i mean especially what what if like someone like i feel like if john wins a world title well no i mean we could pretty much say anyone if italo they're felipe any of them winning a world title is just going to fire him up. They're too competitive, especially those those three. Well, John, Italo, Felipe, and Gabriel. They're, like, all very competitive against each other. So, Yep. And um, it, it is interesting, though, like, in terms of this year, because by missing this event, in order to make the mid-year cut, he's only got two events, and one of them he's vocally not fond of, being Margaret River, bells he's had some success at but it's definitely not his best venue on tour so like if he was going to try to make that leap he'd need definitely quarters or best in both maybe semis or best in both which is a big ask i mean he could do it obviously but yeah i don't think he's going to come back for margaret river you know he might just wait a year or who knows what we never know what the wsl is going to give they obviously have to let him in if he wants to surf right yeah, I guess so. They'd have to give him event wild cards though, because there's no like season wild cards for the back half of the year. Um, but it is interesting, like that then comes into play with all the surfers that are injured right now. That's one less injury wild card that can go out to you know Carlos Munoz, a Liam O'Brien, a Yago Dora, etc. So yeah, there's a lot of balls in the air at the moment. Yeah, I mean those are those aren't the most fun decisions to make. I can I can sympathize with the WSL in some ways there. Yeah, you're deciding this. I mean, if you're looking at a Carlos Munoz, right, he's 28 or 29 or something. He finally qualified after 10 years of trying, and then it looks like he might not even get a proper chance at it. And then it's like, are they going to give him that wild card? Like, I don't know. It seems unlikely. To Just me. get get rid of the mid-year cut. The mid-year cut is complete bullshit. Like, we've tried this before. It didn't work. It's not going to work now. And it doesn't even really, what is it? It reduces, like, one day of competition. We still have waiting periods. It's ridiculous. If somebody qualifies, give them the chance to surf the tour. We would have lost Jack Robinson last year with the mid-year cut. We're going to lose good people this year that should be on. It's not fair. I'm over it. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love it. I think it's it adds so much more like energy to the front half of the tour. Like There's so much more to talk about and like care about. All these events feel like they actually matter now. And I agree. You're going you're gonna to lose some surfers that matter for sure. But that's going to do one of two things. It's going to show you that they never really cared that much in the first place. They were kind of complacent and like, oh, I can just do my best and get 12th place every year and skirt along. Or it's going to show you that, holy shit, like it's going to light a fire under their ass and it's going to make them come back harder and hungrier next year or on the Challenger Series this year. I don't think many of them are just are just cruising on tour, though. I think a lot of them, I mean, they're not... They're there to to do well. I mean, maybe you have some people that have been on tour for like a long time that are kind of a little bit over it and maybe just kind of hanging out. But no, people are people are trying their hardest. They don't. If they want to make it more exciting, cut the um, 
the no losers round crap. Like, how how do we have 16 heats and four people lose? Like, that's ridiculous. That's where we need to start. But that's for another day conversation. <laughs> okay, so let's get into Portugal now. Um, as you said, there have been some people who have been consistent over the past few years. Another interesting note is that John Florence hasn't surfed this event since 2017 due to the injuries that he's had over the past few years. Um, Felipe won it famously back in 2015 against Italo in that final. Felipe got a 10 for his air and then some, whereas Italo got a, a big nine. And I think for that backside slow rotation, um, but he's only made one quarter final since 2015. So to me, Felipe seems like an obvious person for this event, but he actually hasn't done that well. Um, so yeah, all these people in mind, do you have a, a pick that you want to put forward for the men? I mean, it's it's kind of. I know John hasn't surfed it in a long time. It's hard not to pick him just based off like the way water moves around out there, how how much power there is. It really reminds me a lot of like him picking waves in front of his childhood home there at the beach park. Um, but I would have to say, and I know it's a little bit of a cop out because he's won the past two, but. Italo spends a ton of time in Portugal. He seems super com- comfortable there. I know his manager, Marcos, lives there, and he stays there a lot. But he seems to find something when nothing's there. He catches more waves than everyone. He can go to the air at any point if he needs something. Um, and I've just been seeing tons of clips of him at Paniche or Super, tu- super Tubos for like the past couple years, so... I mean, he's definitely my pick to win the event, and he's had a little, you know, by his standards, a slow start, so I think he's going to come back right in this event and put himself uh, high up in the rankings. Okay, okay. That's obviously a pretty smart call for obvious reasons, Um, and I actually went about this in a similar way to you in that I'm picking somebody who spends a lot of time there. Uh, but unlike Italo, this person has gotten off to a really hot start to the year and just looks extremely solid and confident, backed up with a lot of great results at Portugal in the past, and that is Kanoa Igarashi. Watching him in Hawaii, I was really, really impressed. Not so much at Pipeline, but at Sunset, just how solid and confident he looked throughout that entire event. I think he averaged like 16 points per heat and just never really looked like he was going to fall until the finally just fell apart for whatever reason but I think that's only going to make him hungrier coming into this event and I think whether it's big or small whether it's errors or barrels or whatever he's just so solid and yeah I think he's going to go all the way yeah did you watch his his uh film with Red Bull that just came out I didn't get through all of it but I did watch maybe two-thirds of it yeah, I think it's impressive how competitive he is and how he's he is definitely one of those guys who he raises his game in a heat where not everyone does. And, I mean, yeah, he's got the results there over the years. He spends the time. But I'm more most impressed with Kanoa's, like, his confidence in bigger waves has just gotten so much better. I remember there was, like, I want to say it was 2016. It was pumping Fiji. Um but it was flat for a week and he was, he made round three and he, um, he was like one of the first heats that day when it, just when it started pumping and he lost and left. And then it was like epic cloud break with no one around for days on end and they finished the event. And I was really bummed that he didn't stay because I was like, he really needs to work on that part of his surfing and he didn't do it. But 
since then he has worked on that part of his surfing and he spends a lot of time in heavier waves and you know i mean just look at look at his results it's starting to pay off yeah i could like really legitimately see him in with a shot on wsl finals day if he can stay in that like top three picture you get to trestles and he might be just that one little notch below the felipe gabby sort of camp but he's close enough that he could beat them if it came down to you know decimals yeah definitely then it also comes down to like him getting like a magic board too you know if you have the right board at lowers you can you can make shit happen Okay, so what about a dark horse for the men? Somebody kind of coming out of nowhere that you could see doing well. I was kind of looking at some of the some of the people that you don't really think about too often, but low in the rankings, and I don't think he's ever really done well here. But maybe he's had a couple strong heats. I was thinking Ryan Callanan. Mm. He's someone who I love in beach breaks. Uh, there's definitely a fair amount of laughs. He's doesn't get as much of a chance to go front side but he's a really good tube rider and he has like crazy air game super high um landing ratio and um you know like the waves he surfs in australia i feel like he's always surfing like kind of more powerful beach break not like grovelly stuff so i'd, I'd go with brian callanan there okay cool um, yeah, that makes sense. He did really well in France a few years ago as well. I think as a wild card back then, um, but similar-ish style waves. So that makes he sense. does well at beach breaks. He his, I mean, if obviously if there if there was more lefts on tour, I think he would do better. But he does well, typically. All right. Well, I'm going. I guess in a similar direction with fellow Goofy Foot and Australian Owen Wright who kind of made a name for himself at this wave, in a sense. He came in pretty hot when he was young, and he actually blew an eardrum out one year when it was really big. So he has some history at this event. With the forecast looking the way it is, I can't think of many people that are better positioned for like big, scary, shifty beach breaks than Owen. And he's also coming off two really bad events in Hawaii, meaning that if he wants to stay on tour after even getting the wild card this year, He's going to need a result, so I'm rooting for Owen. I would think it would be awesome to see him just stand in some giant kegs and ride it at least to the quarters. Yeah, I mean, that's a good pick. Um, obviously, he's I, he has done well there in the past, but I start to wonder if he's really even interested right now. Yeah, I, I get know. that sense, too. Being away from his family, and yeah, it just seems like he's not... I mean... He, you know, after um, last year, you know, he's, whenever he lost in Mexico, it's like, thought he thought that was the end for him, but he's, he's back on and I don't know. I just, well, it'll be interesting to see, see how, um, how much he wants it and same, same kind of for his sister too. Yeah. They both seem a little bit, you know, detached for whatever reason. But I think if those waves are what they're supposed to be in this event, that both of them kind of get that look in their eye where <laughs> things change a little bit when the ocean gets above a certain size. So, um, And then one other person that I wanted to bring up, we obviously just saw Baron win at sunset and some other wild cards do really, really well throughout the Hawaiian leg. To me, one of the scariest wild cards in professional surfing is Vasco Ribeiro in Portugal. He's just such a good surfer and he knows those waves really, really well. And I, yeah, I just... I don't care who, if I was John John, if I was Itula, I was ever, I would not want to come up against him in a heat. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's another one who's, he's taking people down out there. 
multiple times. So I don't know what's Baron's because his seating changed. Baron's seating. So where is he? Uh, where is he at with the seed now? He's still wearing a white jersey in the first round, so he hasn't jumped that much because the way that the seating works, unless they've changed it, which is possible, but. By this event, they'd be going off 60% of last year's CT seed and 40% of this year's. So because Baron didn't have a CT seed last year, it's basically the equivalent of zero. So he's even with first place right now, he's not able to jump that high. But it, but he's not at the bottom anymore. So he's not going to go against like the top uh, the top seeds like Vasco will. No, but he uh you know you know who else is kind of in the middle top range is John Florence. <laughs> so. You yeah. could run into him, which would be unfortunate for one of them. But that'd be a funny draw, them out there. Yeah, that'd be insane, actually. It'd be like just straight out Aokai, like the sessions they have where it's like draining below sea level tubes and they're just falling into them. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how Baron does now that he has, like, he has, in one way, he has no pressure because he's like on tour locked in. And another way, he's like leading. So, you know, that's just pressure on its on its own. Yeah, I interesting to see how he reacts. A lot of people think that he's going to do well here just because of his abilities. And abilities aside, I think he's going to have a hard time. I think mentally, it's going to be tough to wear that yellow jersey when, you know, you, you you're telling yourself that you deserve to be there, but in the back of your mind, you're like, man, like, holy shit, am I really here right now? Sort of thing. So I don't know. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I I don't see him doing particularly well in this event. Yeah. Well, the way I've seen him surf waves similar to that, I. I could see him doing really well, but yeah, mentally that's going to be, I don't know. It could go one of two ways. just depends on how he takes it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So on to the women, um, who stands out to you here? Are there any, you know, favorites or do you want to go straight into your pick or do you have any thoughts beforehand? Yeah. Well, there's only been one event for the women here, right? As a CT. There was a, another one in 2009, which was won by Coco Ho and one in 2010, which was won by Carissa Moore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, they they had a pretty big gap there. Um, and I know Caroline won the last one in not great conditions. Um, the women, that's a, that's a bit of a tough one. I mean, I, I could see Tyler Wright doing well. Just she seems to still be kind of like bulldogging it in these kind of conditions. And, you know, she's going to charge. But I'm kind of – my pick to win for the women's this, this event is Tatiana. I think she's uh, she's had a shocker to start the year. I think she's really confident in these kind of waves, and um, she can find tubes as well as like, you know, put together turns and hit heavy end sections. And she seems she finds a way to come out of some of those end sections where you think she's definitely gonna fall, even though she did fall in that one in the finals. That, <laughs> that, 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 but yeah, she does she does tend to like ride away from stuff. Um, if it's big, this is going to be a really hard event, I think, for a lot of the women. But, uh, yeah, Tati's my pick to win it. That's Yeah, I, I looked at Tati pretty hard as a potential winner, and I think she easily could. But I ended up going with Joanne DeFay. I think she spent so much time in European beach breaks. She has kind of been like my sort of dark horse pick for the last couple of years because I just think she's gotten so much better, and she's still under a lot of people's radars. But... To me, she's like, she surfs fairly similar to Carissa, just like that maybe one rung below in terms of skill level, but is like so solid on her feet, super strong and powerful, 
can get tubed as well. So yeah, I, I think jo- Joanne, you know, again, like you said, it's going to probably be tricky conditions. You're at least going to have one or two heats where the waves are weird. And I think she'll thrive in those. And I think, you know, if she gets a huge seed like a Carissa out of the way, maybe in the quarters of the semis, it'll give her a pretty easy path to the finals and a win. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Joanne's always like, she's always a threat to win. Like she's won multiple events and, um, she has a lot of strengths in her surfing, so I could see her winning it, but it's gonna this is a tricky one for the women. Like there's so many new faces and so much we don't know about a lot of these girls and then also what about um what about Malia? She's her last three events are second, fifth, second. Yeah. So she I think she, she's what, seven times in the finals and Yeah. Coming it's, away with second, but this is one, if she keeps that role going, I mean, she didn't even technically qualify last year on on the CT, so pretty interesting to see her, her run recently. Yeah, it is. I, I don't think Portugal specifically suits her. I think she's more of like a polished surfer and prefers more of a polished wave. Um, and back to that final streak, I did a little bit more digging, and I found out that she, at least for women, has the second most finals without a win. The number one being Linda Devoli with nine, New Jersey zone. And she has surfed the most women's CT events without a win, with 82 events surfed over her career. So I think that uh, if, if anything, that's the one thing that can maybe help her overcome a wave that doesn't necessarily suit her surfing that well is just the fire to delete herself off of those lists, because that's got to be burning. Yeah, I mean, that... I feel for her every time, every time she goes into a final, I'm like, all right, she's going to do it this time. Yeah, but yeah, just doesn't go her way. Yeah. Tough. All right. And then uh, I have for a dark horse, I've got Betty Lou. I think she's just so such a breath of fresh air on the tour, but she also brings that sort of old school power that you really need in events like this. And um, I just think that she could pretty mindlessly surf her way through heats. You basically, in, in Portugal, you only need... 12 13 point heat totals to get through most heats and i think she, she could bang out sixes and sevens all day just one or two big turns uh yeah i don't know i mean she's so young still like it's crazy to me that she's even on the tour but um i mean she's proven that she can go toe-to-toe with the best women in legit waves so i could see her doing well i mean i, I i'd be i'm really interested to see if uh I want to see Tia Blanco in her first event. That that wave she posted on Instagram with her first wave, if that's the truth, her first wave of getting a legitly a legit barrel. Um, I want to see what the ultimate surfer's got in store. I love it. I think the WSL is stoked to have her on there, though. I mean, what a story that would be. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not. I don't have my hopes up or anything, but. Yeah, it's it's tough picking the girls. I don't know if she's still a dark horse anymore. Gabriella Bryan, she's impressed me so much um, from last year to now. I could see her doing really well. She doesn't seem to care who she's up against. Before we go into our last little segment, um, it's worth noting that, Jimmy, you were involved in what I understand to be the first online betting site for surfing in the U.S. that no longer exists, but... I think it was back in like 2015 or something. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I think something like that. It was a while ago. Yeah, Fantasy Grudge. 
it wasn't betting online it was fantasy <laughs> it was like the same thing it was like um kind of right when DraftKings and FanDuel were going big and everyone was getting onto that um it was really my friend Wesley D'Souza and his his partners they started it and I was just like I hopped on board but it was cool but, like- yeah that you could bet money, so but it was between your friends. It wasn't you versus the house. It was you versus... It didn't even have to be your friend. It could just be like, you know, you're putting money on this surfer and somebody else says, no, this surfer's going to win. And you basically just trade back and forth your money in that sense. No, it was like you... Um, it was based off rounds. So you'd pick like people f- for the rounds or the event of their total scores. It was, it was fantasy surfing, you know, technically. But you could... It was pulled against other people. Okay. So it. it it was uh it wasn't legit betting, but um it was getting popular. I mean I think we stopped doing it because uh, the credit card merchants weren't supporting it, so people would have to do like bank transfers and it just took multiple days and it wasn't worth doing in that sense. So um we stopped but but yeah it's uh, I didn't bet on Sunset at all on this last one, but I did bet some at, at Pipe. I actually was going to win, like, I bet on Seth Moniz to win the event, and I think it was $500 if he won. But I was happy to pay that when Kelly won. I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, so the the site that we were kind of pushing in that first event has, like, since basically not been uploading odds for surfing, which has been annoying but also good because i probably would have lost a ton of money at sunset because that event was impossible to forecast but the last part of this show that i want to do is called unpopular opinions and it's basically a prop bet which is what do you think is like one weird thing that might happen in this event like something weird with somebody doing well or yeah or or like i mean so like my unpopular opinion for this event is that if steph gilmore doesn't make the semis or better she will not make the mid-year cut oh um, yeah, I mean, she's not doing well right now. I mean, she got completely screwed at Pipeline. She could have done really well there. I was surprised she didn't do well at Sunset. Uh, as far as people just getting, like, ousted from the tour, is that kind of what you're looking at? Yeah, whatever you, however you want to go with it. It could be that Slater lands another 720 in the event. It doesn't have to be negative. It can be whatever you want. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, kind of thrown on the spot here, but what about... <laughs> what about Jadson Andre getting uh not making the cut again but requalifying yet again <laughs> on the Challenger series? How many times would that be? How many times? <laughs> He's a cockroach. I have no idea. You can't kill him. Yeah, you, no, you can't. But that is really interesting to see to think about what could happen to Steph and I mean not just her but I mean there's someone like you know, Nat Young fought his way back so hard, got on tour. Like, you know, he's done well at this event in the past. What about Jal Chianka? You think, I want to see another matchup with him and John, because I think he got screwed up, Pipe. I think I think he should have beat John in that heat. And Whoa. He's someone I'm kind of excited to watch out here that we haven't talked about. I couldn't agree more. I don't know how his name didn't come up. He seems like a person who would be insane at Super Tubos, regardless of the conditions. I'd be betting money on him, I think. I would definitely throw something down on him if the if the odds are up. I don't know what the odds are, but I'd imagine he'd have low odds. Yeah, he would. He'd probably be like plus 10,000 or something like that. So keep an eye out if Bet Online AG drops some, drops some odds. Maybe that's a good one to put 5 or $10 on. 
All right. Well, unless there's anything else you got for us, Jimmy, I think we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, I think, I guess uh, another one thing I'm looking looking for is like, what's up with Griffin? Is he going to, is he going to turn this thing around or what? It seems like he doesn't surf. He does the opposite of what Kanoa does, which is he surfs worse in heats than he does free surfing. And I'm, uh, I'm kind of interested to see if he can switch something in his mind to allow him to like unlock. He looks like he's gripping a bit. So maybe this, this event will do that for him being a beach break and letting him get a lot of opportunities or maybe he gets caught in a rip and we don't even see him. I don't know, but I, I just, I'm disappointed in Griffin right now. I want to see him like he should, I want to see him more than almost anyone make the top five, but it's looking, looking tough right now. Yeah, it is. It, I think he's just a case of like how much of a mental sport surfing can be because physically he's a top 10, maybe top five surfer in the world all day long, but it's just a matter of going out there and like, like Kanoa goes out there, at least right now, he's in a state where he doesn't feel like he can lose. You know, every time he takes off in a wave, he trusts his wave choice, he trusts his maneuver choice, and everything he does feels seamless. Whereas with Griffin, it just doesn't feel like everything's clicking, and then you get in your head a little bit about that, I think, and then it just all kind of goes downhill from there, at least from an outsider's perspective. That's what it seems like. Yeah, well, I hope he turns it around. Yeah, well, maybe this is the event. Um, we'll have to wait and see. It looks like the event will start on March 4th. So, uh, set your alarms. Most of us will be waking up early to watch it. Or I guess if you're in Australia, you might catch it at the end of your day, which is nice. Um, but until then, this has been the Stab Cusp over and out.